uh, one cool story is one of the elders of our church right now was one of those young men. And so he loves streetlights. He uses streetlights now. He read okay at that point, comes from a super broken household, and it's just been part of his journey. It's not the only thing, but it's been a part of his discipleship journey where now he's an elder, a great elder at the church right now. And it's just like, that's awesome. You know, over the last 14 years, that's happened. So it's reaching the people that we our core, like, I guess you would say target demographic, but that target demographic has expanded to a lot of people. It's watering time, everybody. It's time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today, we're having another one of our... Deep Conversations. A deep conversation with Esteban Shed of Streetlights. As our world becomes less literacy-based, how do we get people to engage the Word of God? And as our world becomes more urbanized, how do we reach people? And as the urban world spills out into the four corners of the globe, how do we reach them with the gospel? That's what we're going to talk about today on Apollo Watered. I want to welcome Esteban Shed to the show, who is one of the co-founders of Streetlights. What is Streetlights, you may ask? Streetlights is a ministry of creative communicators called to an intentionally engage global urban culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ by producing, translating, teaching, and proclaiming God's word so all can understand. As they say, our identity and call are founded on the belief that God's word is transformational and needs to be accessible and understandable to all people. If you are not a person who's in an urban environment and you might say to yourself, well, this doesn't apply to me, I would beg to differ. And this is why. If you are in America and you watch the Super Bowl this past year, in the halftime show, it was all hip-hop and rap artists. Rap has permeated and gone all around the globe. And as we've talked about on this show, we want to talk about how to water your faith so that you can water your world. One of those worlds is an urban culture, a culture that is in every city on this earth. Having traveled, I've been so amazed at what globalization has done. As I see kids in very poor or under-resourced areas throughout the globe that are wearing Michael Jordan shirts and reciting lyrics to rap music. Because of that, we can see that this is not just a localized phenomenon. It's a phenomenon that spills over into every corner of the earth, and we need to be aware of it. One of the things that we want to do on Apollo Watered is be able to, what I call, cross the streams or pull the thread. I like to look at the different threads, the different fabrics in our society, you might have an academic world. You might have a pop culture world. You might have a church world. And we want to be able to take the thread of faith and be able to stitch them together so that we might show you these deep thinkers, but we might actually show and connect how it works out within the world because we do need one another as followers of Jesus Christ. We can't just kick one to the corner and say that they don't understand. 
Many academics need to realize how it works out in the everyday world, and the people in the everyday world need to realize that some of the research that these academics are doing, these scholars, are are so important to us because they are seeing things that we cannot and addressing issues that need to be addressed if we're to thrive in our walk with Jesus and minister effectively in the middle of our very crazy, chaotic, and disjointed world. So we want to be that thread. That's what we want to do at Apollos Watered. We want to give you the best thinkers and the best practitioners in every different avenue, in every different world that we can think of, whether it's someone working in a corporate high-rise C-suite or whether it's a person that's working in a warehouse in the middle of some desert town, whether it's a rural environment or an urban environment. Whether it's someone that's in the suburbs, we don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all approach. That's why we consider ourselves digital missiologists, which means that we are trying to figure out how to work out the mission of God in the middle of our world. And we want to present that to you in the best way possible so that you can take the tools and resources and apply them to your life or connect other people to them so that they can water their worlds where they are. Esteban is a good man. And he is part of a greater team. These men care about what God is doing in the world, and they want to be able to reach this global urban culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their enthusiasm is infectious. And if you're a person who doesn't like hip-hop, you may not like rap, I would still hope that you can appreciate the magnitude of what they're trying to do, and then you can unite in this mission. Because undoubtedly, someone you may know will be affected by it. And this might be the tool that God uses to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to listen in as we have some fun. We talk about a lot of different things as we talk about streetlights and what God is doing through them to reach and transform this growing urban world for the glory of his name. Happy listening. Esteban Shed, welcome to Apollos Watered. Boom, we here, we here. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe. We were just talking in the pre-show walkthrough. We got a lot of connections, but not to reminisce right now. We'll do that a little bit as we get into it. But here we go. Here's your fast five. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Giordano's or Lou Malnati's? Lou Malnati's Giordano's as of two years ago, but I switched. You switched? What made you switch? Uh, maybe age. I need less cheese, but Lou Malnati's got me with the with the butter crust, man. It's it's just it's just amazing. But they're close one and two. I'll just leave it at that. They are close one and two. I was the same way with you. I was like Giordano's, and then my wife was Lou Malnati, so I, I switched. But this is a Chicago version, by the way, of Fast Five. So this is just someone who's been in Chicago, knows Chicago, and that's what we're doing for the Fast Five today. So keeping that Chicago theme, the best side of Chicago is? Oh, the north side, baby. Well, north side in the 90s. There you go. I have to qualify. <laughs> Why north side north in the 90s? Side Northside pre-gentrification. <laughs> oh, okay. What streets? Give me streets. Give me neighborhoods. Yeah, oh, man. Uptown, Rogers Park, Edgewater, uh, Albany Park, all the way down to Humble Park and Logan Square. Ah, all right. Yeah, so north, northwest side. But, I mean, it's hard to qualify 
the the last two that I said is Northwest Side. Chicago's so big, but you know, Chicago is big, but North Side. I thought, yeah. but aren't you guys in the West Side? So I lived more Northwest and like West Humble Park. So I've been all over. I mean, I'm 39, so I've been born and raised there. I grew up Northwest Side, 80s, 90s, or North North Side, 80s, 90s. And then when I got into mid 20s, I was more by North and Pulaski, West Humble Park. So not like West West Side, but Northwest Side, yeah, leaning. So. Okay. All right. Here we go then. They are, you know, it gets blurry there because. Um, you got to state it. But as far as like what I know the best, I know the North and West side the best. A little bit of the South side, but I never lived over there or stay over there. Every neighborhood is different, but you got to, you got to love yeah. Chicago's neighborhoods. But here we go. You, oh, yeah. Being a Chicago guy, that means you, I would, I would assume, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but you got to be a Bulls basketball fan. If you're oh, in man. If, if you cut my arm, man, you're going to see the little Bulls start running out of it, man. <laughs> oh, man. Me okay. and the whole street lights team. I would die hard Bulls fans. Okay, yeah. then here we go. Because this is a disappointing season. They it ended badly, but I they got some really great players. So we got Damar or Zach. Ah, geez. Is the whole podcast gonna be on this? Because I'll make this a sports <laughs> podcast real quick. All right, um, so so Levine managed uh, the last time for the year, man. The, the jury's out right now, man. I, I they didn't make it clear about his knee. And so it left everybody in Chicago wondering, like, is this a lack of effort? Is it the knee? What's happening? DeMar, DeMar, he killed it this year. I knew he would yeah. fade out, though. I mean, he's he couldn't do it over. Uh, they bogus. You know, the Bucks are bogus. Grayson Allen for breaking my guy Caruso's wrist. Uh-huh. And... But anyways, man, there are a couple pieces away. I want to see Lonzo come back, but everything's if he would need to. But anyways, I'm going to keep it fast five because <laughs> in the Streetlight I'm... Studio, we, we we hoop every day almost. Oh, really? We do, yeah. Oh. Me I and, mean... uh, I mean, a lot of the guys, but me and Lauren Lalus, we're big hoopers and we love hooping. We're 39, still hooping. Love it. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I have a feeling if I tried to hoop right now, because I'd hoop all the time, and uh, I'm not sure my body would go with where my brain tells it to go. I think I'm at that place. <laughs> you gotta acclimate. You gotta you acclimate. Gotta acclimate. Take a lot of ibuprofen. Keep a defibrillator <laughs> on the side. Right. <laughs> That's how my I'll be. But I'm a huge Bulls fan. I kept following them all year long. I was glad Io got some time. I love. Oh Caruso. yeah. So I was disappointed in how the season ended, but. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, right. The last thing I'll say is, yeah, the only win, uh, Io, love it, the West Side win right there. And yeah. then, uh, and then uh, which he's connected to Breakthrough Ministries on the West Side, which is pretty cool. That's a side note. Yeah. And then um, Pat Williams needs to come back like Charles Barkley next year. <laughs> he needs to get some, some aggressiveness in him. But yeah, yeah. Well, if he's gonna be Barkley, he needs to get some Giordano's and Lumanati's in him. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well said. <laughs> okay, number four, best street food in Chicago is. Mmm, jibaritos. Yeah, Chicago Puerto Rican sandwiches with the platano uh, maduro or my ma, uh, tostones as the bread. Have you ever seen them? Then you got the steak or the chicken, uh-huh. whatever you choose. Yeah, they got them out in Florida and Orlando because of all the people from Chicago that moved out that way. 
They got food trucks. So it might be somewhere worth your visit. But yeah, Hibaritos. Yeah. I got I gotta get over there. I actually found out that there was, and this isn't street food, but they have a Portillo's in Orlando now. So mm-hmm. I, I'm in like northeast Florida, so I'm far away, but the area that I'm at's growing like crazy. And I'm like, man, it'd be great if they get a Portillo's. Yeah, I love Portillo's. I mean, Orlando's be what go ahead. No, I was gonna say Orlando's becoming that second Chicago, New York, or for all the people that moved down there. Well, that's that's exactly what it's like where we're at. We had everybody around uh, where we're at. It's all coming from Illinois, Ohio, Michigan. It's like right. it's different, and especially right. the, all the people that are from this area are not probably liking that too much. It's right, a right. Southern culture that's being invaded by the North. So right anyway, here, five question number five. If you were a Chicago landmark, what landmark would you be, and why? Ah. Uh. I would be the lakefront because I'm on Apollo's water. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That is so good. You know, though, you know, know, though, that they dredged the the lakefront years ago. And you know what they found? The number one thing they found? Guns. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing. Nothing surprises me with that. You already know the reputation for the last 100 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, being in the city, but, you know, I mean, yeah, there's violence, but you're going to find violence anywhere. It's it's a city. You just got to know it's where to go and what to do and where to, you know, watch yourself. But anyway, right. but tell us about yourself. What is the Esteban Shed story? Hmm. Well, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a poet at heart. I'm a writer. I'm a rapper. I've been since I was a teenager. So I'll start off with a line that I always, uh, I, I usually use at shows and, and, and I usually minister with is that if you ask about who I am, I always like to say I was born at 15 because that's when I came to know Christ uh, and it completely just changed, changed me. Um, and so I start there, but I mean, my background, born and raised in Chicago, uh, my father's from uh, South America, Bolivia. My mother's from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. They met here in Chicago hmm. and then lived here ever since. My father was a pastor for 30 to 35 years. I, I say still is because you really can't ever get rid of that calling. He's still a counselor pastor. And, um, but yeah, um, in short, man, I uh, came to know the Lord when I was a little my teenage years. Um I'm super thankful for my household. It was like a lighthouse um, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, the schools I went to. And I can never deny the fact that the church I went to, Edgewater Baptist Church, um, and also my home were a huge part of me coming uh, genuinely to Christ. Um, I started going through rebellious times in my uh, high school years. And uh, the Lord just just drew me back through the testimony uh, part in part because of the testimony of my parents, just walking with the Lord humbly, serving the neighborhood, and then um, and then my church, just a humble church in the inner city of Chicago that I can never deny that the Lord was real by based on those testimonies. So, but yeah, I mean, so you know, my background though, and what God has kind of used in my life, aside from that, when you come to Christ and He pours spiritual gifts into you, is just uh, grew up. I love basketball, love hooping culture, hip hop. I've been a graffiti writer um, all these years, an artist, a musician, writer. So like early on in grade school, I started getting into all of that um, po- poetry, arts, rapping, freestyling, 
um, all the visual arts, like I said, graffiti. So hoop culture, that was just my world that I grew up in. Um, and uh, then when I came to know Christ, the Lord really activated that for mission. Um, so that's like a big core of me. But um, so present day, like right now, all those things are still functioning through the ministry of streetlights, the music we make on the prisms. But what's been added through the years to that is a family. I'm a father and I got four kids. Um, my wife is named Iris. I've been married 12 years. She grew up in Humble Park. So she's from over here. Um, and then I have four kids, now three boys, one girl between 11, almost 12 down to two. So we're busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that. I got four kids too. And I got four okay. years between almost everyone. And there was a time where I had four kids in four schools and man, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. That's so I feel for you, brother. I feel for you yeah. right. <laughs> and how you do that. Now, tell me about streetlights though. Where, where, where did that come from? I know. And it's not something you do by yourself. You guys, you got some, so you got some brothers that do that with you. Right. Tell us about streetlights, how it came to be and what you guys do. Yeah. So, I mean, streetlights before that name came, it was, it was a vision that came out of, discipleship and evangelism um it really came out of uh the environment of me pouring into young men when i was let's see this would have been when i was 22 or yeah 22 years old um but i was pouring into older teenagers at that point in a discipleship like bible study uh rhythm within their lives and so i would see these guys on the north side of chicago they all went to the local public high school and we were doing bible studies and uh what really impacted me one day was just the lack of education they had. And we were really involved. Like I've, I've been doing uh, after school programs and outreaches. So always in and out of the public schools. I went to public schools myself. So I, I know the ups and downs with education in them. And uh, so what happened was as we're going through the scriptures in particular acts, it just hit me one Wednesday night um, that like it was in, it, I, I felt like, you know, we can be in this Bible study group, but for those that knew the Lord and were following the Lord, man, I knew that what they were going back to, really dysfunctional homes, a really tough neighborhood, all the pressures of everything you can think of, dysfunction, gangbanging, mm -hmm. uh, drugs, just being a teenager, like all those things. Um, and so I just like, how do they take the word themselves if they're, if they're struggling to read? Because the literacy was very clear to me. And at different levels, like... Um, and then for the non-believing guys that were coming just because they were being loved on, they were being in relationship with us, they knew us. It was like, man, how do they get exposed to Jesus other than us? Now, I know the Lord uses his yeah. people, but I was just like, man, this is crazy because it's like 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, 18 year olds, and they struggle to access the word of God. At the same time, I was like, man, the word of God has never been bound by print and paper. I thank God that the word of God is in print and paper, but you know, God is a master communicator. And so as they came in at that point, it was CD players. They were constantly listening to all these different rappers. And I was an MC at the time. I had a live hip hop band. And so I just know the power of words, right? And, and obviously the, <laughs> the verse faith comes by hearing and hearing about the word of God. So it's always like, man, how do we connect this? So long story short, after one Bible, story, uh, Bible study one night, I went out to the parking lot that's right by this basement we were in of a building that the church owned at Edgewater Baptist Church. And I was just like, man, you know, the one common place that everybody 
um, learns is through their ears. And um, this was before like the big rush of uh, technology of audio video. I mean, you had CD players and all that, but not where we're at now. Yeah. Um, and so like, I was like, man, I'm going to make an audio Bible. If these, if these young brothers can riddle off thousands of words by memory of all these rappers and I'm a poet and a rapper, I know how much it impacts me. Um, and I knew how much it impacted me when I wasn't following the Lord, like the music I was listening to. You can say, oh, that's, that's, that's entertainment. But I'm like, no, nah, everything is teaching. Everything is preaching, <laughs> right? Everything is communication that affects the soul. So I uh, went home, recorded Acts 2 and 3, um, just in my home recording studio. And I put a couple of beats to it, came back the next week. And I said, fellas, I want you guys, we're going to still stay in Acts, but I, you guys can feel free to read, to read and listen along. But I got something new for you guys to listen to today. And I pressed play on the CD player, the burnt CD that I made. And it was like night and day, man. The engagement with the word of God, their attentiveness. And the most important thing is afterward, the spiritual dialogue we had about, you know, Peter preaching and the different events in Acts 2 and 3 um, was just like night and day with their understanding because all of them were engaged. Some of them closed their eyes to listen. Some of them listened while reading the law. And some of them um, just just were interacting with the text, you know. Um, and so I just... I was like, man, this is it's an age old thing. Like God has made us communicators and made us um, able to take in messages. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but print was really hard for them. So it was just bridging the gap through this audio Bible. So after I saw that it was like night and day and they went deep into this this spiritual talk, like um, the long short of it, it was like, cool. There was an idea. I went out to the parking lot. I called my friend Aaron Lopez, who's the audio director right now. Um, and I said, hey, bro, man, I got this idea. I think it's from the Lord. And I literally was looking at the street light and I was like, man, I think we can call it street lights. We were almost like full-time using music for within the music scene and evangelism. So we were really busy with music. So I was like, I don't know when we can do this project, but I just, I think this is needed for the kingdom. I think it's needed for discipleship. I think it's needed for evangelism. And I was like, and you know where the world is going. Like, we're fast-paced. You know, even yeah. during that time, we're like, yo, we're going to be streaming soon. We're going to be, like, and video is going to be as easy as audio. It's it's going to happen. So that's where the initial vision started. So I'll pause there because then, it, you know, we've been doing it for 14 so years now. So there's a lot of growth and evolution of what happened with the ministry. But that was the original vision, making an audio Bible that connected with young people that struggled to read, or you could add on top of their struggling to read or their ability to read this dynamic audio Bible that was diverse. It has a hip hop score behind it, not to overwhelm the text, but to to gird it like uh, underneath it and yeah. to, to provide that. Give context. it a rhythm, right? So, Give it a rhythm. It's like got to be. It's got a rhythm. You want to follow along exactly. with exactly right. So that was the audio Bible, and then you know I, there was a lot of years in between. Started working with Tyndale House Publishers eventually because they were the ones that there was one lady there that really got us. She was from Harlem, African-American. She's like, look, and at that point, I mean, I felt like the two different Americas were really far yeah. from each other. I think in the last couple of years, there are, you know, there's all these <laughs> these cultural accidents happening, yeah. which is in some ways is a good thing. Obviously, there's a lot of hard stuff with that. But at that time, I mean, for anybody to call from the city to like a suburban publisher, and I did call other ones and they were like, Okay, this is how it works. Pay us 
And I was like, well, we want to give away for free. And, and I was like, what will your profit margin be? And I was like, uh, the people we are actually seeking probably won't even pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like we just want people to have the word of God in this form. So, but Tyndale felt us and we started with the NLT and then another ministry group outreach for youth that was working in the projects. They started in Cabrini Green projects and then they just kind of started working with at-risk teens all across the city. They're like, it doesn't make sense, but we're going to bring you on just to help try to support your team. And under GRIP, we grew to three people and then Streetlights really grew as a ministry. And so that was for nine years. And then three years ago, we launched as our own nonprofit. And it's just grown globally, English and Spanish now, print materials as well as digital, uh, gospel music, Bible teaching. And so it's grown since then. So that's what Streetlights is now. It's a seven-part team. Uh, most of us are in Chicago. We have one full-time employee in San Juan. Um, and it's just a creative communication ministry to preach, sing, and communicate the gospel as well as, you know, to empower the church of all different needs, you know, whether you're illiterate all the way to the advent of just the digital age, digital learning. Um, and also to just expose people that don't know the Lord in a way that's accessible, they can hear the word of God. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. The most important Bible translation is the one you read. At Apollos Watered, we use several different translations when we're studying, preaching, or teaching. But again and again, we keep coming back to the New Living Translation, the NLT. That's why we are excited to partner together. We are united in the belief that understanding the Bible changes everything. Because if you can't understand it, then you won't read it. We want you to know the God of the Bible, to water your faith so that you will water your world. That's why we recommend getting an NLT. It's the Bible in the language we speak. It's not foreign or complicated, but up close and personal. To save some money, go to Tyndale.com. Use the promo code NLT Bibles. It will give you 15% off. There's an NLT for everyone, from kids to adults, devotional Bibles, study Bibles, and so much more. Get one today, because understanding the Bible changes everything. And the NLT is the Bible you can understand. Before we get back to our conversation, I want to give you an example of Streetlight's audio Bible, 1 John 1. It'll take about two minutes, but I trust you'll enjoy it. 1 John 1, Introduction. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy, living in the light. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. That's just an example. First uh, John, and they've got the entire New Testament. But Esteban, that's pretty cool stuff. But let me ask you this. Why the NLT? We chose the NLT for a couple of reasons. One, um, I talked to Crossway, actually, in the beginning. Really great folks. Um, yeah. And it didn't pan out. And that was understandable. I was just, that was my first proposal. Yeah, I was really green. At, like, I didn't know anything about publishing world. I was yeah. like an inner city kid, missionary, um, minister, slash rapper, poet. So I didn't know about, like, rights to, <laughs> you know, Bible uh, translations and all of that. So like the first proposal, they were really interested. I had two talks with them, but it was just something they, they couldn't get their minds around. Um, actually later on three or four times, they've asked us to do it, which we're like, man, we're already, we're too deep in. Like we can't go backwards. Like we can't go backwards. So really great people, man. But the second thing is this, man, and I appreciate, I mean, we're rich, like in English, man, I have so many different versions, yeah, you know, but uh, I did a test, though, with NLT and ESV with the app school program that I was running. And the kids didn't understand the ESV. It was just so many words that were above. There was a disconnect of thought. The, yeah. I mean, to be real, the ESV, as great as it is, it doesn't speak the way we speak all the time. You know, the NLT was a good middle ground where they understood it, it connected. And it's also just more artistically, um, it was easier to do in this format with the audio Bible. So we do NLT there. And now we, with Spanish, we actually work with the equivalent of NIV. So NVI in Spanish, because mm. um, we're doing two languages now. So we work with Biblica or International Bible Society on that side. So so how many, where, I mean, outside of the U.S., where's your biggest audience? Oh, man. So, uh just generally speaking, um, the largest English speaking countries. So, you know, the U.S., the U.K., Australia, Philippines, um, South Africa, Nigeria. Um, with the growth of Spanish, the biggest places are like Mexico, PR, Colombia, Argentina. So as we started Spanish four years ago, specifically with the audio Bible and also actually, you know, there's like three lanes of ministry now with, with Streetlight. So that's just to be clarified. Streetlight started Streetlight's audio Bible. Mm. And then as it grew and we became our own organization, Streetlights is the organization. We do audio Bibles. We teach the word through what's called Corner Talk. And then we do gospel center music, uh, hip hop, live hip hop through what's called Prism. So that's been kind of the evolution of growth. So saying that, 
Um, I mean, the largest countries for English and Spanish, obviously very, um, but yeah. I, I was curious though, more on the Spanish front. What, what Spanish country do you get the most traction with? Man, you know, the Spanish speaking world is crazy on social media. So it's just from all over the place. It's, I mean, yeah, I could look, I could tell you the numbers. It's Mexico, PR, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Spain. And that's because we also know a lot of people there. So it's organically spreading yeah, like awesome. church to church and going to a leader and be like, Hey man, we got something for you, youth and young adults. That'd be really great. Check it out. But you know how it is, man. It's, it's the digital age. So it's just, it's all 27 Spanish-speaking countries. It's here in the U.S., the communities that speak Spanish. So um, you know how it is with numbers. It's just you're shocked, but it's yeah. all accessible. So, yeah. you know, yeah. And then English is just all over the place. Uh, which which is bigger, the English or the Spanish? English, yeah. But English has been around a lot, a lot, lot longer. Yeah. Um, it has more resources. We're further into doing the audio Bible because it's not complete. We release it book by book. Um, and then also, obviously, it's the largest spoken language in the world. So, and then you got the whole appeal of, I mean, we got ESL ministries using it. We have the learnability factor. People are using it for that all the time, too. You know? Now, you're doing it book by book. How much of the New Testament do you have done? Don't you have the whole New Testament done? We got the whole New Testament. We got all the Psalms. And then we're almost, this year, we'll finish the Pentateuch. So, like, the, uh, the both of the Bibles will be done within, like, it's all based on funding and support, like, two to three years. You know, the more support you get, you can go faster, hire more contracts and, and stuff like that. Um, so but, yeah, how, so. So, how do you do the Old Testament names? Like, I'm trying to figure man, out how you do, like, Mahir Shalal Hasbaz. Like, on a beat. Very meticulously, I'll say that. So I just narrated. I just narrated. Um, what was it? End of Exodus, and between like the spices and the names, the method that we do. The method that we do is, you know, for me, other people. I self record uh, my own just because doing it a long time, and I just like that comfortability. So I make sure the engineers were good. And I was like, close the booth and let me engineer myself <laughs> because it takes a long time. It does. The other, uh, uh, everybody else has like an engineer going with it. So for me, though, my method is that I'll look up you version audio Bible, like from whatever to be our standard. Um, and I'll actually record it in there. And I'm mm. those long ones, man. I'll just listen back and phonetically, I'll just start repeating them and then we edit it real nice. So. <laughs> Are you it's sure? a beast, though. It gets long, yeah. Do, do you think you're pronouncing them right, or are you just going to go with it? Like, this is going to be... <laughs> I'm going to appeal to the other audio Bible creators before us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's some of them where you know, you know you're supposed to be pronouncing probably a little bit different because, you know, the Hebrew names. Yeah, but it's like, all right, it is what it is, you know. I mean, you got um, Hebrew, and I mean, and you're, I'm sure, used to it in English so much because you're speaking English all the time. But yet, you want to do it in Spanish, and the emphasis might be different. I mean, that that's crazy. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of craft too, but we have a super diligent team. We got amazing volunteers that help do it. So, I mean, yeah, we're with it with the details, man. So, I mean, you know. So okay, so you mentioned prisms. Tell me about prisons. Yeah. Prison, we've done music for a long time. So, like, this is my fourth eclectic, like, hip-hop live band or trio. So if you look at prisms, you'll see me, Aaron Lopez, who's also the audio director, 
and then Lauren Laluce, who knows like a lot of your friends. So we all went to movies yeah. together. Got it. We, by God's grace, we've been used through the arts and music all through these years. We have a high um, level of excellence and craft for music. We love music. And we have a deep theology for music. Um, I was just talking to this about, uh, to a brother yesterday. I'm like, man, when you're drunk in the spirit, what does it say in Ephesians that you do? You make sacred songs and hymns and you share them with people. Um, but, you know, whether it's from an evangelistic standpoint or from building up a body, we, we continue to, to use music and poetry to encourage uh, the people. So like we just had a single release right now uh, that we put out was called Don't Look Down. So the whole emphasis of that song is the church right now getting losing sight of Christ. And so we we believe in spiritual music and spiritual songs. The the style is hip hop, live hip hop with a lot of Latin influence. Um, and we've done that since we're 17, sometimes with big bands, 10 piece bands down to trios. Um, but that's an aspect that we keep in the ministry that existed before under the record label of Humble Beast. It was called Alert 312. And that's how we did music for a long time. But like we, when we launched our own nonprofit, we brought everything we do under one house so mm. that we wouldn't confuse people. <laughs> it's like, mm. So we were like doing Street Lights Audio Bible and then we were Alert 312 and we'd be on tour ministering and then it'd be like, also grab this Bible we do. And we were like a walking bodega. I was just like, okay, you guys do all this <laughs> stuff. Like, so we we finally said, we finally said when we launched as a nonprofit last year, like or not last year, three almost four years ago at this point. Man, look, everything's under the house of streetlights, so that it's just really clear for people because it was just you know digital age, especially as it's grown, you know you get confused. What do I search for? Where do I go? You know. Mm. So yeah, so those are the lanes. Um, I mean, which is a lot seeing how long you guys have done that now, but I want to change right. gears for a moment. Cause you talked about yeah, how yeah. you were an, you know, an urban kid trying to talk to some of these suburban publishing companies. And a lot of times I see within the publishing world, they're not really grasping the power of the city and what the urban environment is like. What, what has right. been some of the, I don't want to say discouragement. Let's say main opposition that when you, when you talk right. about streetlights to these groups of people, I mean, what do you find yourself having to convince them about? So just to reiterate this, we've been doing it for 14 years. Yeah, so no I've seen very clear delineations in, in stages and time periods, you know, and I, so I'll focus on like pre pandemic, pre George Floyd, aftermath era because <laughs> it's amazing the conversations mm. that with these culture shifts a lot of them super discouraging don't get me wrong like it's a that's a that's a whole podcast in of itself. Yeah, 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 it some of the things are good is that i think that they're they're causing these cultural clashes in some ways it's a good thing because those conversations are being normalized amongst a lot of people about ethnicity and different demographics and socioeconomical yep. and so the divide between urban and suburban is so blurred now you know i mean there's suburbs around here that are more urban than in the city urban yeah. as far as like the 90s definition is or you know the last 70s through 90s or early 2000s but anyways to answer your question um yeah like i think the the to start off the discouragement was um people not understanding and, and not understanding a couple of things, and this is not being on a high horse, but when you live in a city and, and 
you're on the front end of cultural shifts or just knowing that the city, like, and I say, like, we, I say we as in, like, city creators typically influence the rest of the world. It's just the cycle, right? There's a lot of, like, cultivation here, and that influences pop media. I mean, that happened with hip-hop. It happened with rock and roll. It happens with all subgenres or subcultures. So, like, when we first started talking to them about a different kind of audio Bible, uh, one thing was, you know, I don't, can you show us like a survey that that's going to help people and help people beyond those that you want to help that are illiterate? I said, listen, we're going to help the illiterate or those struggling with reading at the same time that people that love music or people that struggle to read or people that are audio learners or people that like, there's a lot of people, this is going to spread amongst a lot of people. So that's also being, um, and like I said, it's not a high horse, just before you retire where an industry is at. You have publishers that are so focused on print, and I love print, right? But they just didn't grasp that concept. And you can say, well, there was the audio Bibles. You're like, yeah, but those were comfortable to kind of their soccer mom suburban worlds. And maybe even not that, because it was usually like an older um, man reading it, pretty monotonous. And I'm like, man, the word of God is dynamic. Let's read it with passion. Let's read it with what the actual text is saying. So anyways, that was one thing. It's just like the medium. Like, why do another audio Bible? I'm like, well, because there's a lot of hungry ears that that are going to benefit from it. So they didn't understand. That's been long dialogues. And I would say some of those dialogues, even with the support of different um, publishers or partners or whatever, now they start seeing it manifesting. Now they start seeing the numbers of it. And they're like, whoa, let's partner, let's do stuff. <laughs> so that can be discouraging yeah. like when, you're on the, when you're on the front end of using tools for gospel ministry. It can come with a lot of like uphill hikes and conversations and constantly having to say, low, like have vision. This is, this is going to be used, you know? Um, that was one thing. The other thing was definitely the cultural differences, but the Lord has always put me in the team, like in different cultural, like between circles, which is a good thing, bridge builders. And so I don't say that negatively. I mean, you come from where you come from. So no. it's majority suburban staff at that point or whatever. And that's what they understand. There's no faults in that because we all come from a different place. Um, but you know, those, those can be like, okay, why music, why hip hop music, why uh, you know, the church is just really slow to adapt sometimes. I get it too, because you don't want to just embrace everything or chase fads. We're not caught to that. We're a very ancient body, but God always makes us relevant where we're at. And sometimes that takes time. So the last thing was money, man. Like we have a freely given model we have since the start. And we kept having these dialogues like, listen, it's called freely given. This was when CDs were still selling and Box, box set curriculums and stuff. And I'm like, listen, like thumb drives, they're good. We did them. They're going to be gone real quick. And downloads, we still give them right now. They're going to be gone really quick. Streaming is the way. But I mean, imagine we were dialoguing about this 12 years ago. So it was like, oh, how are we going to make profit margin and all that? So those big ships that have been existing for a long time, even when there was people that individuals that had vision of that within those entities, the whole entity as a whole, like making decisions like that, it took a long time um, for those entities to like travel with us and start supporting us. But I will say this though, um, there was protection in that too, because like we're a nonprofit, we're freely given. And because of that, we never got caught into an industry model that would like backlog 
production or have it steered in a certain way that couldn't just stay like lightweight and um, cutting for the culture, if that makes sense. Like, um, so in many ways, I'm really thankful for those like early formative years and conversations, even if they were discouraging at certain times, because like, there's no publisher over us telling us what to do or when we can release or what. And instead we actually have publishers now that are really like ministry partners. And they're just like, man, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Praise God. So I love to see the sovereign hand of God in that because we're not caught up where you see a lot of other people with like vision and missions, but they get caught up with, and I got this contract we can't release and the publisher wants it this way. So we just, steer clear of a lot of that stuff. So we're thankful for that. You know, you're talking about some of these differences and things have transitioned over the past several years, of course, and and and, and you've really cited that. But you going back for a second, you mentioned the difference. I mean, people can't help where they grow up, right? And, and that shapes right. how we see. But when you talk about an urban environment, I mean, and you said the definition, you actually... Re- referred to urban in the 70s and 80s and 90s and now we have some suburbs that are like that describe to me what that means because i know that there are people out there they hear urban and it's code for a lot of different things in their mind oh, right, right, right. describe what you mean by that uh i mean you know it's 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 more multi-ethnic it's very diverse as far as like the socioeconomic uh people and households that make up that population um, it doesn't have to be all done within like big buildings like you would think of like city like Chicago or New York. It's it's a mentality of just, you know, um, a city mentality can exist between urban geographic spaces and suburban now, but it's still influenced by urban culture, urban music, urban thinkers, um, uh, which, yeah, I would say are multi-ethnic, globally minded sometimes, um, deal with the like urban plight that started after white flight in the 60s in, in many American cities, those gave birth to a lot of problems. And so those mm-hmm. problems aren't foreign. They're on our doorstep, you know, right. whether it was drugs coming into the cities in the 70s and the ramifications of that the next three to four decades until now. Um, gang culture, hip hop culture, um, uh, also just the mentality of, you know, you don't have you're on the move right so a lot of like urban culture is you know your whole world doesn't exist like at a rec center in your house it's in the neighborhoods you're part of city life you're moving around so that's i would say it's part of urban culture a lot of times it's multilinguistic because you're surrounded by a bunch of different cultures um don't get me wrong you can have urban culture that's just all like one ethnicity you know Mm -hmm. because of segregation or just like pockets but I'm just doing like a general description of what urban culture typically is influenced by. But now urban culture is pop culture. That's, you know, as far as even if you just take music, that's why you got country musicians using trap music and drums that come from hip hop. I mean, it's just, it's pop culture has been for three decades now. So, um, so out of all the things you do, what's your, what's your, I mean, what are you most passionate about? Man, you know, this is, um, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think most times I would answer that. I would say God's word, right? But we had to ask ourselves that again, you know how it is when you trek with a vision for a long time. It's almost like raising a child because it grows and, and you grow with it. 
And so I will say this. Yes, it is God's word. But God's word brings something. And that's why I would say my passion, the thing I'm most passionate about is the gospel going forward and being communicated. And that is like, okay, what is that? Well, it's the person of Jesus Christ, his work on our behalf. Uh, yes, his word, because that's where he communicates. Yes, his, his church, because that's what he grows as he adds to the family of God. But it all starts with the gospel seed. You know, I would quote, quote uh, Luke 8, the parable of the sower. And every time I read that, I was just reading it again this week, it strikes me. And it says, man, what is the seed? The seed is the word of God. What does the word of God bring to people? It brings to people Jesus. What does Jesus bring to people? The gospel to transform them. So I had to ask that, you know, as we are forming our like vision and mission, because we started with the word of God. And I know it's a very like fine line. We're like, oh, the gospel and the word of God, they're one and the same and all that. But I think that that's how I would answer it, because within streetlights, that's why we sing the gospel or rap the gospel through prisms. Why Corner Talk Bible teaching? Because you got to teach the Bible to reveal Jesus. Why the audio Bibles? Is it just to give somebody some nice entertainment? No, it's to give them the word of God to either build them up in Jesus, build communities of faith up in Jesus, or expose them to Jesus in a way that they can understand. So it, it all comes down to uh, revealing Christ to the world, unfolding Jesus Christ to the world. So obviously a big part of that is the word of God, but it, it's good as a vision grows to be like, okay, why do we do all these things? And we ask that of ourselves along, you know, every leader has to like along the way, why, wait, why are we doing this again? <laughs> People would meet Jesus or grow in Jesus, you know, and thus all these things are being produced to help people do that, you know. You know, I love the fact that you use poetry to do it. I, I, I think on a different tack, I spent a summer reading Homer, you know, okay. just, just, to, just to kind of challenge myself. I wanted to read Homer. And I was reading the introduction. And what was crazy to me is that you, you hear that people would memorize it and they would recite wow. it. They would hear it because our culture today is, is a, you know, a literary, a literacy culture, although orality cultures are all over the world. A lot of other places are. Right. To hear it. Like I, I was in Liberia preaching. I gave three sermons. A woman that heard me preach went back to her village and repeated the sermons verbatim because that's how they communicate. It's, it's very highly right. prized with us and so much information. We barely retain our phone numbers. So, right, 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 so, right. so seeing what you do with poetry, it's helping people really be able to internalize that, hear it. It, it. It's something that's really an ancient practice. And I think that a lot of missions agencies are trying to recover because I realize a lot of people are not literacy based. So I, I right. want to encourage you with that. Um, and I want to know, though, what place have you seen streetlights go that you just stop and you go, that's of God? Like, that is surprising to me. I didn't expect yeah. that. Where, where, where was that at? I got a couple of angles to that. And it's, it's, it's jumping off the diving board that you just set up right there. Um, just a side note, we had to do a lot of convincing that urban culture, that culture in the city, or that just youth culture is very oral based now. Yeah. And like telling people, look, it doesn't, don't be scared that print is going to die. Print is still a form of communication. But it's not the Holy Grail because God has always communicated himself from creation to campfires to uh, scrolls 
to, you know, papyrus to the 1500s with the printing press till now. We're just in another stage of, of human communication evolution. I got to stress that, not human evolution, <laughs> human communication. <laughs> but it still, it still uses the mediums that God has put in our anatomy. And so we always talk about the sacred senses will never change. Like the human anatomy is a human anatomy. You have eyes, you have ears. Okay. And you have the other senses to learn. And so we just, the mediums have changed. So all that to be said, like you said, man, oral cultures are all over. They're all over the world foreignly. Yeah. But they're all in between us. And I would even challenge most people listening to this. You are an oral based learner, maybe even more than what you know. You know? Yeah. Uh, so anyways, and I would say you are increasingly becoming that because of the world around us is so digital, which you say, okay, it's so digital. What is digital? Audio and video. Yeah. I mean, well, and pictures, you know? Yeah. Even my kids and my kids are, is not as likely to read books, but I see these, I, I talk to some Christian leaders and they're like, you know, my kids read all the time. I'm like, well, great. I, you know, I feel stupid, but I'm like my kid, cause I'm not having my kid read uh, something that other people are. I mean, I, I remember hearing from a professor, she was talking about her nephew who was like five or six years old reciting the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm like, right. what kid does that? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want right. to denigrate that. That's, it's a great thing. But I think about the people that I was working with, that's never going to happen. You know, right. not that they're not capable. It's just that their cultural world is totally different. They don't have a father right. or mother that's reciting the Westminster Catechism. Right. They're trying to get right. food on the table and they're working, they're working crazy hours and they're just trying to survive. Right. And so I, I think sometimes a lot of the people that I interact with, we get kind of caught up on our little, you know, our own little cultural bubbles. And we right. don't realize that God is a lot bigger. And I, I was even talking to this missionary, a guy named Nick Ripkin. He's been on the show many times. Amazing story. And he said the, the Western church is addicted to literacy. And it's not that we don't want literacy. Ooh. Right. Right. But he just said. He goes, uh, I was at a conference and all they talked about was expository preaching. And he's like, you know what? How do I do that with people who can't read? And I had that at my church. I had small groups. Everybody's like small groups, small groups. It was great. And all of our lessons, though, I had guys that couldn't read the lessons. And right, I, I think right. a lot of our folks today, especially in the communities and circles I run in, they don't think literacy is a big deal. Of course, people can read. No, they can't. Not everyday right. world. So. Right. We got to expand our our blinders a little bit, take them off, right. you know, expand. Uh, my friend yeah. Jackson Wu, he says we got to expand the mirrors on the vehicle so we can see back further around mm -hmm. us. And uh, that's what I love about what you guys are doing because you're drawing attention to a uh, an area that's rapidly growing everywhere around the world. You know, you look uh, at absolutely. the stats right. and everybody's moving to the cities, although that was pre-pandemic. I'm curious <laughs> of what happens with the pandemic and what you guys right. are doing, but it's hitting a whole, yeah, I don't even, I mean, it is a subculture, but it's a large subculture. Uh, and it's growing at, all the time. At this point, at this point, so like to, to come back to the end part of your question is, so like, where does it surprise me that it's gone? Well, I have a couple angles to that. The first one is you're always surprised when it actually connects and helps the people you want it to. Because I don't know any humble preacher that doesn't get surprised when he preaches and you're like, wow, God used the preaching, right, to the yeah, people yeah. he brought me. Because it's always like, you know, you're convincing people who are blind like we were before Christ, right? And yeah. God has to open their eyes. So when you actually see it working amongst the people that you love and why you pour so much into it, 
that's always a surprise in a good way. And people be like, well, I, I thought you knew it was going to work. Bro, <laughs> ministry <laughs> in the Lord's name. I mean, read the parable of the sower. I can't tell what the terrain is all the time. So when it connects yeah. with people, you know, if you go back to that basement where we first use it, like uh, uh, one of the cool stories, one of the elders of our church right now was one of those young men. Mm. And so he loves streetlights. He uses streetlights now. He read okay at that point, comes from a super broken household, and it's just been part of his journey. It's not the only thing, but it's been a part of his discipleship journey where now he's an elder, a great elder at the church right now. And it's just like, that's awesome. You know, over the last 14 years, that's happened. So it's reaching the people that we are core, like, I guess you would say target demographic, but that target demographic has expanded to a lot of people. So it just went, it went super global and there's people from all over. I mean, the stories. You know, there's there's a million soccer moms that be using it. And so that was like to bring it back to the publishing thing. Are you surprised about that? I'm like, I am, but I'm not because I feel like one, the word of God is powerful. Two, yeah. if you make something quality, it can connect with people. And if it's authentic, it's going to connect with people. Um, there was a, a lady that called. We were on, I think, one of the Moody radio stations and she called and she was 90 years old and she had started listening to it. And I think she was older, African-American, 90 years old, I think from the South. And she could just say, I could, I could tell that the spirit of the living God is using these vocalists. And that was really cool because we do have a standard as much as we can keep it. We don't go contract like celebrities. We say, man, if anybody's a vocalist, man, you actually got to believe what you're reading and believe that it's a living word. Like we don't. So to hear that from her, but then all over the world, people using it ESL language, uh, like help assistance. I mean, it's just too much. After these 14 years, and let me pause. When we launched the app, the Streetlights app, it just, it went kaboom all over the world. Like the, uh, it just, it just blossomed. And so from that, then the communication, even to this day, I, we can't even keep up with it. Just, there's too many lanes. There's too many. Um, so let me just sum that up by saying we're always surprised because we have a very local mentality while being having a global mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, Howard Hendricks was the late professor at Dallas yeah. Theological Seminary. Howie Hendricks. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was like, you know, if you're going to cook a meal, feed it to your family first. If it's, well, these aren't his words, but if it's trash, don't feed it to the neighborhood. <laughs> Work on the recipe. So, we all we often like to say that because you know if we make an audio Bible book and it doesn't impact us, why am I gonna serve that to anybody else? Mm. To my own family, to myself, to our neighborhood, to our churches. And so that's been our mentality with Streetlights the whole time. Is man, really try to benefit. Now it's grown. So sometimes we're like. Uh, sometimes it's not Chicago or our neighborhood, but for like, for example, for Spanish, if it's hitting, it's connecting, it's helping people in those local areas, then it's it's in some ways not a surprise that it keeps growing and connecting with people other places. But the mentality at the core is really feed somebody well who is right next to you, including your own self. Like this morning, I was tired and I listened to the whole book of Ephesians in this chair right here. And Is it your voice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. 
Is that your voice? I'm, like listening to yourself recite the word? But I don't even, you know what? I don't even think about it that way. Uh, Lauren Alus, <laughs> who's on the team, he's a co-director of Streetlights. He's like, is are you used to hearing your voice? I guess in some ways I have because I've, I've rapped and taught and like done the audio Bible for so many years now. But I don't think about it that way. I guess I just focus in on the constant. Um, I'm a very, I'm audio driven learner for sure, you know? But anyway, I say that to say that like, just having the word of God pour over me, it blessed me. There was like three or four lines that just like shot to my heart as I listened, right? So that being said, like if that does that for me, then it makes me more excited to give it to the Philippines, to China, to Nigeria, to wherever else. So that's like our mentality, yeah. Do you ever, you said you're 39. Do you ever feel like you're going to age out or that it's going to, the youth is going to shift and you're going to be like, wait, I, I, I don't get it. it's going to stay a constant and you'll be able to hold on. I'm not going to pretend that, that those thoughts don't come. I think they're mostly driven when they do come to be quite honest with you by the flesh though, Mm. by the flesh. And I'll say why, because usually when I have those thoughts, it's when I'm not thinking right. Mm. And I have to remember the core of what we do. It comes from the power of the spirit of God. It's his word that's everlasting. Two or three, that he's also equipped us to consistently look at the culture and adapt, like Acts 17, right? So it's just like adapting to the culture. That comes with its challenges. Um, So that can influence things. Second editions of audio, those we hire. One thing is that, and we didn't plan it this way, but everybody we've hired since we've grown, they're all a decade younger than us. So we get Mm. great feedback from them. But they're like, yo, we're still listening to the books you guys released 10 years ago. Mm. And that doesn't say we wouldn't update those. Like, John, right now, we're updating. Because, you know, you get better at your craft. You want to update things, technology advances. So it's not to say you don't, you know, everything everything that brings the gospel other than people is doing it. I would even say people. We adapt in how we talk, right? Acts 17 is very different than you know, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a different way of bringing the gospel. Still at the core, the gospel is the same. But, you know, as far as like aging out, I think one thing that is a challenge is that we live in a super fast changing world. Like, like, to be honest with you, true confessions. Like, I hate TikTok. Like, I don't think it's good for the human soul. I think 15 seconds of like, you know, all the videos that are up there, I'm like, man, this is just, it's going to make the human race dumber, you know? <laughs> if I can be candid. At the same time, at the same time, that's where you can't age out. And You got to have discernment, but I feel like that's where you can't age out and be like, oh, I'm not going to engage there. Because if there's thousands of, or millions of 13-year-olds there, hey, put something out there, at least as like a gospel bait that they can come in. And we see that. So, Kind of to end this side, there's there's a lot of things I could say on this. One is that we hire, we've hired younger, mm. but they're still mature individuals. So we have 24, 25, 26 year olds pouring into that. So I think one thing we value is it, it's not like my way or the highway. You know what I'm saying? It's not, we have a team of seven. We have people surrounding that team of seven. We're integrated within our churches. And so we're listening a lot as well, as well as also contributing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're super encouraged to see that, you know, our highest demographic of listeners are between 13 and like 40 at this point. 
Mm. So the second highest is the 13 and 18 year old. So I just praise God for that because that's a hard demographic. That's a hard demographic to, to, to help. And then young adults, like whatever that age range that is, I don't know, but you know, 20 to whatever, that's a hard. And so we still see that like the Lord is using this with the younger generations, but he also is using it across the scope. So, you know, those thoughts can come, but man, I just believe in the Holy Spirit directing his people and you just got to adapt with each stage. And, and that's, I think, what encouragement comes when I start to kind of get in that bag. It's like, nah, you're starting to bank on the method, but God can shift and change the method. Just keep listening to him and stay open, you know? Is there anybody that you've met because of Streetlights where you're just like, how did this happen? How did we meet? Yeah, let's see. Um I'll tell you probably the people that I've been most impressed with are as international ministry has grown. Yeah, man, I feel like you just meet the greatest of the kingdom, man. Oh, like, yeah. and nobody knows their names, man. And and I just am like, uh, and so, I mean, even if I would say different names right now, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah. But those are the people that have impressed me the most. Um, different brothers and cities, uh, sisters from uh, Kenya, India, Colombia, the DR. Those are the people that I get impressed with, man. Um, and that's a that's a score of people that I, I leave like, man, that's the cloth of the earth right there, man. I, man, I love those people. Yeah. Did you ever read The Great Divorce? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was a few years ago, but I did. There's that one section in there where he talks about this beautiful woman that shows up and she's like breathtaking. And the guy like is talking to his host and is, is she, is she? And he goes, she's someone you've never heard of before. You know, she was this Uh, older lady and, and she was at her home and and you'd never recognize her. But now in this, in this place, you recognize her as the true saint and woman of God that she is. And I think there's going to be a lot of that. The unnamed saint. The, the people that don't get the public, you know, they don't have the, 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 the Twitter followers, they don't have the videos, but they're just faithful saints praying and loving and sharing. And that's, you're right. That's that, that's the salt of the earth right there. Right. And this makes up the kingdom. And I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Esteban, how can we, uh, first of all, how can we follow you and what you're doing? How can we learn more about it? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the best place to go to is Streetlights, plural, with the S at the end, streetlightsbible.com. Um, the website has, like, everything that we talked about today. And then, obviously, we're on all social, so we're real active on everything. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even TikTok, yes. <laughs> um, but that only happened, by God's grace, when I could hire my good friend and somebody a decade younger than me named Christian Lasso. He lives in San Juan, but he's on our team running socials. <laughs> um, I couldn't I couldn't keep up with it, man. I couldn't do it. But, uh, yeah, so connect with us on socials or at the website. And just we, we respond to people pretty quickly. So if you want to reach out with an email, a DM, whatever, yeah. Okay. And how can oh, we and pray? get the street lights app? Get the street lights app. Lights app. Yeah. It's free. It's updated frequently. It has all the English and Spanish audio Bibles, all the Bible teaching, and all the music from prisms. And one thing we say is in this age of distraction, the power is in curation. In this age of distraction, the power is in curation. So some of your listeners may be like pricked at the heart because it could benefit them or somebody they know. But I would say this too, man, just like a special call. If you're a parent, a community leader, 
if you see people getting uh eaten up by the demons in so many of these apps and <laughs> the distractions and the, the all the evil stuff that's in there and the street lights app and this is why we do it because we actually pay to make the app happen right if you have that street lights app you're gonna benefit from every piece of media in there um mm-hmm. the music the audio bibles the bible teaching and so you're not going to have any ads telling you to go off and watch this show or that show or it's very um yeah, it's just we we always talk about we have the apps so that we can curate for people that are maybe struggling in the age of distraction as well. And you get it all right there. You get notifications of the new audio Bible books that are coming out or a new Bible lesson. And so um, we think of it as like a mini community within that little icon. Uh, so get the Streetlights app. It's all free. Um, it's updated regularly. It functions well on your phone, tablet, and soon it will be coming to like TV apps. Um, so you can also stream the Bible for your family, your small group, whatever with ease. So yeah, but that's 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 how you connect with us. But yeah, to back up, man, get the app first. I think that that's the best way to connect. Yeah. And how Street Lights pray? Bible, Street Lights Bible on your store on your okay. mobile phone. Yeah. Street Lights Bible. And how can we yeah. pray for you guys? Man, um, you know our our team is about to our team is growing, which we've needed to for a long time. Uh, we've juggled a lot of things, as you know that 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 can get tiring. It can cause burnout. Um, we've been carrying this ministry with the Lord, obviously yoked with Him, but for fourteen years. So the core three members, me, Aaron, and Lauren, you can pray for us, just for and I feel like the Lord is doing it, but just for renewed vision, refreshing times. I'm gonna be quite blunt with you. You go through times of spiritual warfare, you notice, and that stuff is. Is real and like we've come through an intense for for the last month have been pretty intense as things have grown. We just there's just been things that I feel like you know the opposition from the enemy that has come um, against us and our families sometimes. Why you're seeing growth, you know? So yeah, you can pray for our families. But we're a team of seven now, so you can go see us on the about uh, section on the the page, mm-hmm. uh, the website, and you can pray for us. We have our names there. I think praying for God's servants is one of the most important things because he does his work through his people. So we really, man, we ask for your prayers for us personally and our families. Um, there's a lot of kids in our families as well. Pray for them. Um, I, I feel like the enemy just loves trying to disrupt families and tries to paralyze you where almost all of us are still living in Chicago. We love the city. It's been really, it's, there are definitely a lot of tough things as we're raising kids here. So why do I pray for that for streetlights? Well, because God uses his people. So there's yeah. attacks against his people. That's why I would ask for prayer. Um, and beyond that, yeah, just uh, we, we need to expand the studio. We're really tight right now. And so we're hoping to expand the studio. We need a couple more people on the team probably eventually to really healthily or do, do the work in a very healthy way. Um, so yeah, just continue to pray for supporters and, and funding that we can keep serving, serving the world, the way the Lord has called us in particular to do so. So awesome. Well, Esteban, thank you for coming on Apollos Water, brother. Yeah. It's been a joy. Yeah, man. If you want us back on, this was fun. I feel like I'm just kicking it. Like <laughs> this has been, no knock to anything else, but this has been the best podcast that I've ever been a part of. Woo! <laughs> because because you you do really well in in uh just who you are so be encouraged in that 
And it's better than our own podcast, which we don't even know how to get off the ground. And I don't think, I don't even know if we should. We should probably just have you do the Streetlights podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, but no, man, you're a great host. You're a great host. I can tell oh, you thank you. I, pr- I appreciate that. Yeah. You made my day. You've been an encouragement to me. I hope, I hope I've been encouraging to you. And I think you've been encouragement to our audience. And I, and, I, and who knows what God's going to do in the future? You know, I, I'm yeah, amazed. Right at how God connects his people all around the world, just like you mentioned. And even when I started this thing, I was looking around, I'm like, I don't know anybody. And then like within a few months, I'm like, I guess I do know a lot of people. I didn't realize that. And it's all because of God. That's what he does. Right. Right. So, but God bless you and your ministry, brother. I appreciate it, man. You as well. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoy speaking with people who are watering their worlds where they are and then encouraging us to do the same. And we are continually surprised and amazed by how far God has brought us in such a short time. It has been a joy, a privilege, and a challenge. We are so thankful for all of you who have joined us on this journey. To all who are listening, to those of you who have given to this ministry, you aren't just donating, you are investing in the kingdom of God here and now. Your support means that we can continue to make content so that you can water your world. We have heard some of your stories, and we know that God is at work. But the reality is, it takes money to make it work. So far, we are basically running on volunteer labor, and that is not sustainable. We need your help, your investment, so that we can keep bringing you the most important conversations and teaching that you have come to expect from us. In order for that to happen, we need to have a significant increase in revenues. We want to be able to do this full-time. And by we, I mean that more than me. There are other men and women who have been sacrificially giving their time to make this happen. And we also want to be able to pay some of our volunteers and have dedicated office space and better ability to communicate with you and increase our offerings. We have some pretty big goals for the coming months, including more resources for you so that you can water your world. If you're already giving, thank you. And if you have benefited from what we are doing, we ask you to prayerfully consider how you can join us, how you can invest in Apollos Watered as we invest in you. We can't wait to see what God has in store for us and you in the days to come. Go to apolloswatered.org and there's a support us button in the upper right hand corner. Click that and you'll find many suggested amounts. Pick the one that is right for you or simply write in the amount and surprise us. We'd love to have more people grow from connecting with Apollos Watered, and if you've been impacted while listening to one of our episodes, do us a favor. Screenshot that episode, text it to a friend, share it on your stories, or simply share it from your podcast platform. Subscribing and leaving a review also puts it out to more people. And don't forget, we have content on Instagram, Facebook, and our website that's shareable. Together, let's leave a trickle of truth and encouragement around the world and watch people grow. I want to thank our Apollos Water team of Kevin, Melissa, Donovan, Eliana, Rebecca, and Audrey. Water your faith, water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Thank you.